we stand today before the Lord with gratitude and thankfulness, praise, thanksgiving. Because indeed, the Lord's grace is amazing. It's that grace that we need. It's that grace that changes everything. And so I pray this morning that as you're sitting in your home, that you would just allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to wash over you and to fill you. This morning's message is called Grace and Mission. And we are in week three of our Jonah sermon series, and it's week three, and we are going to go through Jonah chapter three this morning. Listen now for the word of God proclaimed. Jonah chapter two, verse 10 through Jonah three, verse 10. And if you know anything about the book of Jonah, you know this part. And the Lord commanded the fish, the whale, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days in Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days in Nineveh will be overthrown. And here's the miracle. Verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. The word of the Lord made the king get off his throne. Verse 7, this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. I asked my neighbor, how was Myrtle Beach? And he said it was great, except for our scare. And I asked, what scare? 
he explained how one day at the beach, they had lost their four-year-old son. And his name is JJ. He and his wife were enjoying a day at the beach and all of a sudden they both realized that they had not seen their son and they couldn't remember the last time they saw their boy. And of course, mom and dad went into a panic and a frantic search for their boy, JJ. They began calling out, JJ, JJ, JJ. Not seeing JJ, the boy's dad checked the water. Thank God he, he didn't see him in the water. And the fellow beachgoers noticed the, the panic in mom and dad's eyes and they heard their call for their lost son. And so they joined in the search. They started looking for JJ and calling for JJ and asking, has anyone seen JJ? For these young parents, it was about a 15 to 20 minute ordeal, but JJ's dad told me that it felt like months. And they finally found JJ on the boardwalk and JJ was happy and calm and they were relieved. And they hugged their boy, they kissed their boy, they welcomed their boy back into their arms. JJ had wandered away. JJ had perhaps unknowingly, unintentionally run away. And mom and dad looked for their boy. Mom and dad called for their boy by name. Mom and dad enlisted help to find their boy and they would not give up until they were able to welcome their boy back into their arms. You know, this story is similar to the entire storyline of the Bible. Beginning with Adam and Eve, people wander away, run away, even hide from God. And God, who is love, God, the perfect heavenly parent, does what any loving parent would do. The Lord runs after his lost children. The, the Lord calls us by name. The Lord sends his son to seek and save the lost. In God's enduring, relentless, eternal love, the Lord doesn't stop pursuing us until he finds us and welcomes us into his arms. Jonah is the story of a runaway son. In Jonah 1, God commissions Jonah to go to Nineveh, modern-day Iraq, and preach against it. And if you've been with us the last two weeks, you know what happens. Jonah boards a ship, and he goes in the opposite direction. He sails away from the presence of the Lord. He runs away. A violent storm comes upon the sea and Jonah is thrown overboard. And if you know anything about Jonah, you know again what happens next. God appoints a huge fish, a whale, to seek, swallow, and save his lost son. Jonah was lost and now he's found. Jonah was blind and now he sees. Jonah was perishing and now he's been saved by the amazing grace of the Lord. Maybe you've drifted away from the Lord. 
Others haven't noticed, but, but you noticed. God seems far. You, you know, no longer seek after or serve the Lord the way that you used to. Maybe you've been hurt by the church, and as a result, you've said, I want nothing to do with God. And the question is for those who find themselves wandering, running, or, or hiding from the Lord, what, what does the Lord say to the runaway? What does the Lord do with the wanderer? And to help answer those questions, I want to tell you a story about a son of Jonah from the New Testament. He's a son of a, a different Jonah. You know the story of Jesus' passion. After Jesus' Last Supper, he was arrested. And one of his disciples was named Simon, son of Jonah. Jesus gave him the name Peter because Jesus saw him as the rock. And while Jesus was on trial, Peter waited in the courtyard. And in the courtyard, Peter was asked three times if he was one of Jesus' followers. Do you belong to Jesus of Nazareth? And three times, Peter denied it. And I would just invite you to think about this as Peter running away from the Lord verbally and publicly. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, in the Gospel of John chapter 21, Peter the fisherman went back fishing on the same old lake. And he was out fishing all night, which leads us to believe that he was perhaps contemplating returning to his life as a fisherman, the life that Christ had called him away to, to be his follower. And like Jonah, this son of Jonah was lost at sea, and Jesus appears on the shoreline where Peter can barely see him from the sea. And Jesus speaks to the runaway. Jesus asks him three times. Jesus gets right to the point with this question. Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? I know you've been wandering, but, but do you love me? I know that you're thinking about running, but do you love me? And it cuts to the heart of Peter, and he says, yes. You, you know I love you, Lord. And Jesus speaks these words to this wanderer this one who was contemplating running away. He says these two words, and these were the two words that the, the Lord spoke to Peter during their first encounter on the same lake, and the words were, follow me. Peter, in your wandering, your doubting, your running, God hasn't changed his calling upon your life. For us who are doubting, perhaps wandering and running, the will of the Lord still stands for your life. God hasn't changed. God's word upon your life and his will and his purpose hasn't changed. Your calling still stands. Follow me. 
I'm making you the lead pastor of this new church movement that will change the world. You'll be a preacher, a healer, a disciple maker. I'm even going to use you to write the Bible. And we wonder in our sin because sin makes us feel shame. Does God still want anything to do with me? And the Lord says today, follow me. We ask in our, in our wandering, am I still able, worthy, called to be who the Lord has called me to be? And the Lord says, follow me. Do I get another chance? And another, and another. And the Lord says, follow me. You're, you're not a fisherman. You're a fisher of men. My will still stands. And so God gives Simon Peter, son of Jonah, another chance. God gives Jonah another chance. And God gives you and I another chance. And I'm here today as your pastor because God has given me another and another and another chance. And, and I would bet that, that both Pastor Liz and Pastor Rick would say that they're here today in the sanctuary giving worship to God because God has given them another and another and another chance. You're here listening, perhaps, as part of this faith community because God has given you another chance. You have experienced the love, the mercy, the grace of God. And Jesus says to us those two words, follow me. And so the question becomes, how do we follow Christ? And here's part of what it means to follow Christ for every Christian in every place for all time. In Jonah 3, Jonah is chosen, called, found, and saved by the Lord. And in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, right here's the second chance, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it, the message that I tell you. And it's the same word of the Lord that God gave to Jonah in chapter 1. Go to Nineveh and preach against it. God has not changed. God's purpose for Jonah's life has not changed. Nineveh has not changed. And in verses 3 and 4, we see that the second time Jonah's response is different. He doesn't run away. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. We, we think it was about 120,000 people, which is a large city in ancient days. It took three days to, to walk through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, preaching, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. God didn't send Jonah to Nineveh to be a good person. God didn't send Jonah to Nineveh to say, and say, be, be agreeable, be polite. Jonah, just go up to Nineveh, they're, they're, they're evil and wicked. Be a good example. Live a godly life, and, and over time, people will see your godly life and your good example, and eventually they'll come around, and in due time, they'll turn to the Lord. It's not what the Lord says. When, when the Lord says to Jonah, follow me, when the Lord says to Peter, follow me, when the Lord says to us, 
follow me. What that means, part of what that means for every Christian in every place at all times is, I want you to preach. Someone just woke up at home. Preach. This is how Christ said it to the church in Acts 1 to his followers. You will be my witnesses. And, and you say, I don't, you know, I don't like this, this message. The pastor's being a little too abrasive in my face. My task is to tell you what the Lord has told you. That's it. And what the Lord says in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, to those who will follow him is preach. And you say, but preaching is for preachers in robes on Sunday mornings from pulpits who went to seminary, trained to preach the word of the Lord. Here's what preaching means. Verbally communicate the gospel. And here's why our calling, our response to God's grace includes verbally communicating the gospel to other people. Preaching is God's primary way of reaching lost people. See, God could write scriptures in the sunset. He doesn't. God could appear with angelic armies proclaiming his word. He isn't. God could speak again through a burning bush, but he hasn't done that for a while. God chooses to speak to people through people. God chooses to spread his truth and grace through those who have received his truth and amazing grace. Now I'm going to make you feel a little bit better. Most of you have not been called to preach from a pulpit so you can breathe a sigh of relief. You've been called to preach in the places where Jesus and Jesus' disciples went preaching. Jesus preached in homes, from boats, in marketplaces, and on mountaintops. His disciples are sent to preach, and they went town to town. They preached in public squares, in prisons, in courthouses, in homes. They preached in the ordinary places, ordinary people live, work, and play. Your call, my call to preach, extends beyond the pulpit to the places where we live and work and play. We communicate the gospel not simply in a church setting, but we use the tools that God has given us. We use email. We can communicate the gospel through a tweet, in conversations at home, through Facebook, and in the marketplace. When the pandemic started, we were encouraged to have a bubble, right? It was the first time I ever asked anyone, who's in your bubble, right? It's that group of people that we do life with. The bubble, the fishbowl, your sphere of influence is where you are called to verbally communicate the message of Christ. If you've experienced the love of God, if you've been impacted by the grace of God, if you know the truth of the gospel, God wants others to hear his message through you. You say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. God gave Jonah five Hebrew words to preach to Nineveh. We, we read it in English as 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And in Hebrew, these five words, I think this is closer. God is coming with fire. 
So all he had was five words, but they were five words from the Lord. And Jonah delivers them. When I was, I was a kid, we had people deliver newspapers to our house. Am I old or what? And the delivery boy didn't edit the news. The, the newspaper delivery boy didn't change the news. He didn't give his opinion about the news. He just delivered the newspaper and went to the next house. What we did with the paper, whether we read it or used it in the fireplace, was none of his business. His job simply was to deliver the news. And that was Jonah's approach. He walked around for an entire day and preached the word that God gave him, and he left the results to God. He delivered the message, and God radically changed Nineveh. The word of the Lord has the power to change people. We don't. The deliverer doesn't have the power to change people, but the word of the Lord does. The word of the Lord has power to change families. The word of the Lord has power to change cities and countries. And we see that in the scripture. The whole city repents. The whole city says, Lord, we are sorry. Don't treat us the way that we've been treating others. We've been wicked and evil. And it's not just the things we've done. It's, it's the thoughts and, of, of our hearts. It's, it's our nature. It's within us. Maybe the Lord will have mercy. And God forgives ruthless, violent, wicked, lost Nineveh. And 120,000 people experience the love of God. These pagans experience the mercy of the Lord. From the king to the commoners, they experience the grace of God. But God didn't bring this salvation, this, this word of salvation alone. He sent Jonah to preach. I wonder what would happen if, if we shared the message God has given us to share. I wonder what God could do through you, through our church, if we opened our mouths and delivered the good news where we live through the platforms God has given us. I wonder if there's someone in your life right now who God wants you to share his message with today or this week. Like Jonah, we are each one sinner saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to seek and save the lost. And like Jonah, through one sinner, God intends to produce the salvation of many. The Lord, the perfect parent, the loving and gracious one, will not rest until those who are wandering, running, hiding far from him are welcomed back into the family of God. Arise and go to Nineveh and preach the message God has given to you, to me, and to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord and it will preach. Thanks be to God. Amen.